The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome to Intuitive Connections, where spirituality and psychology meet to help you be your best and brightest self. I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, and in each episode, I'll help you to awaken your own inner wisdom, step into your power, and live a more divinely inspired life. You're here to let your inner light shine. Are you ready? Let's do this. So hello and welcome to Intuitive Connection. This week, y'all are in for a treat because uh, we have a guest. Oh, and I should say to who I am, I'm your host, Victoria Shaw, intuitive counselor and spiritual guide. You probably know that, um, but maybe you don't. And on top of that, we have a guest. So I will be having an amazing conversation with another human being that I'm excited to chat with. And I'm also excited about the topic that we're going to be chatting about today, uh, which is spiritual surrender. And I want to welcome my guest, Coot. Blackson. So Coot, welcome. Great to be here. Yay. And so you pitched the topic to me, but that is all good because it is a topic that we cover oh so very often on the show. And I think it's one of the topics too that's super misunderstood in both the human and the spiritual world because, you know, we often think of surrender as, as giving up. And it's actually, in my mind, the most powerful way that we can, you know, manifest our best and a life beyond our dreams. So I'd love to hear a little bit about you. I'd love to hear about how you got on that journey and and maybe even your personal story about all of this. Yeah, look, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. Just a bit of backstory. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. I live in the US. So <laughs> I'm from, from everywhere and nowhere. You know, as a young boy, I felt like I didn't fit in anywhere. And I think that that feeling of being out of place or not feeling at home, um, not feeling like I belonged to any culture or any nationality, which there was a bit of pain to do with that. And so that drove me on the path of seeking, you know, the age old question, who am I? And where am I from? Where do I belong? Like, who am I really? And, right. I, and so I think that as a young boy drove me deeply. I had a bit of an unusual childhood. That really set me on the path, but I didn't think it was that unusual. I thought my childhood was like everyone. My first memories as a young boy around six or seven, I remember being a chubby kid lost in the crowd. And I saw this crippled woman pick up the sand that this man walk on, wipe it on her face and stand up. And so week after week, I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear and people stand up at a wheelchair. It's the same man whose sand she picked up would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, why are you in this wheelchair? You're not sick, stand up. And he would touch them and they would be healed. And, you know, miracles, so to speak. Uh, somebody would come in with crutches and he would say, why do you have these crutches? Throw these crutches away. Come on, you're not sick. And he would touch them and they would start walking. And so wow. this seemed quite normal to me. And so in, in a sense, the blessing was, I didn't think anything was that extraordinary. And I grew up with a sense of possibility that everything was possible, that sense of openness, that sense of just, hey, it's all possible. And so the man who Sanchi picked up, this man was my father. Um, he built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, a huge church in London. 
hundreds of thousands of people in West Africa, uh, three to 4,000 people every Sunday in his church in London, was considered the miracle man of Africa, a very mystical man, very spiritual man. So I grew up in this this context with a father like this, a mother who was Japanese and grew up meditating with my mother in this eclectic environment. So age eight, I started speaking in my father's churches and age 14, uh, I was ordained as a minister. And that also was another moment, another shift, another trajectory shifter where I was ordained. But I knew in that moment that this was not my path. I had this deep knowing and sense that this was not my path, this was not my destiny. But I think like many of us, I was too afraid to speak my truth. My fear was if I dared to be myself and dared to speak my truth, then I would be outcast. I'd be alone. I'd lose my father's love. And so I said nothing. And so from 14 to 18, I became ordained. I took on responsibilities, started speaking in my father's churches. But when I hit 18, I felt a profound calling in my soul. I felt my soul calling me, my soul calling me to come to America, my soul calling me to come to Los Angeles, Southern California specifically, because I was thinking to my father's office. Uh, as a teenager, and I would steal books. He had about a thousand books on his bookshelf, and I would steal his spiritual self-help books, everyone from the Wayne Dyers, Deepak Chopra's, Marianne Williamson's, The Osho's, and Krishnamurti's. And so all of the modern-day authors lived in California. They lived in Los Angeles. And so for me, uh, I wanted to come here and (laughs) find teachers and find mentors and go into this field. And uh, I think sometimes what your soul guides you to do isn't always convenient. What your soul guides you to do doesn't always make sense to your logic or your mind because that intuitive guidance arises from a deeper dimension than your conditioned mind or ego or past understanding. And so, but I really have found that when you listen to your soul and when you listen to your guidance, you'd always end up in the right place at the right time, you know, with the right people. That is what this show is all about, my friend. That is all we talk about here. Yeah. Yeah. Even though the route that you take may not be the one that you understand or the one that you most expect. And so uh, I knew what I had to do. And that's when my life really shifted, where I knew I had to, to renounce everything. So I basically renounced everything, left the church, had the conversation with my father. We didn't speak for two years, which was very difficult. And uh, long story short, ended up winning a green card in the green card lottery. Of course you did. That enabled me to come to the U.S. with two suitcases, $800 in my pocket, and you know one, and just showed up as an 18-year-old kid with a dream and pursuing pursuing my calling. And then I went and found teachers and mentors and authors and studied with some of them, learned from some of them. And then another pivotal moment that really set the foundation was I ended up, again, giving everything up, traveling. I went to Israel studied with with a couple of rabbis, ended up uh, walking the Camino in northern Spain uh, for a month, and then ended up in India. And it was my time in India that really cracked me open to another level of understanding life and another level of understanding who I am and the nature of reality and my purpose that changed my life. And so it was was really out of that experience that I came back to America and uh, felt this guidance to help people. And so 20... One, two years ago, I began coaching people. I had no idea what I was really doing, but just following my inner guidance. And uh, one person showed up and another person showed up. And then eventually, I sort of developed my own way of working with people, which I called uncoaching. And from that, people started coming from around the world. And it, it snowballed into small groups and larger groups and larger groups and and uh, two best-selling books. And so that's that's the short version. That's a great version. It's a great version. You said so many things in there that I want 
to feel into. I, I love what you said at the beginning, because I think a lot of people relate to that. But I also think a lot of people that come into their own as spiritual teachers or thought leaders or, you know, coaches, but are people that, you know, transcend one particular culture. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, with our minds, it's so easy when you, and guys, wherever you come from, we all have our own unique, I believe our souls all have our own unique way of putting together exactly the life, you know, that's going to bring us exactly where, you know, we need to be, where we want to be, where our soul desires for us to be. So there's no right or wrong way to do this thing called life. But, you know, I've heard from you and I've heard from some other spiritual teachers that, you know, having that experience of living in different places and sort of not knowing who you are, you know, it gets the seeking going, but it also, it kind of protects you from the dogma too, because you already have seen different people in different parts of the world live so differently and have different perspectives. And I think, you know, it can free you up to tuning into your own unique channel more readily and more easily. So I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Yeah, I would say growing up with different cultures, in different cultures, was a, a radical blessing. Yeah, um, It turned out to be a, a profound blessing because the seeking took me deep inside to question, who am I? And I, I think I soon began to realize that I'm, I'm not just this body. You know, this body is just a physical sort of costume. And so then what am I if I'm not just this body? Then, then, then what is it that's breathing me? What is it that's right. living me? What is my true identity? And then I was like, I realized I'm a soul. And the soul has no passport. The soul has no language. The soul has no nationality. The soul, if you cut me open and I cut you open and cut an Indian person open, we all bleed the same, you know. And and having traveled the world, been to 60 plus countries now, having traveled the world from the favelas of Rio to the slums in India to the, the biggest mansions of billionaires in Bel Air. As human beings, what I have found is that we all really, we want the same thing. You know, we want to love and be loved and have meaning in our lives. And, you know, we want our children to be happy and fulfilled and we want to feel safe. And at the end of the day, we all really want the same thing, whether you make $150 million or you make $150 a month. It doesn't really matter. And so I think for me, the quest and the search invited me, challenged me, forced me to really focus, you know, because it's so easy to focus on what's different. And But the differences are just superficial. The differences are just surface level, you know, skin color and religion and political opinions and, you know, hairstyle. And and so I think it forced me to really focus on, like, how we're alike. Because I think as a humanity, we are way more alike than we are different. Oh, for sure. And I, I, I just got back from India last week, the month before I was in Japan, month before I was in Indonesia. We're all the same, you know, the languages might be different, the food might taste different, but some of the customs might be different, but we all cry, Yeah. we all get concerned, we all are afraid, you know, we all feel the same emotions of grief and sadness and joy and happiness. And so uh, I think through that, I got to really experience the beauty and, and part of the blessing was it gave me the ability to travel to different parts of the world and feel very comfortable. Which is beautiful. And eventually not feel like an outsider. So I go to Thailand now, people think I'm Thai. I'm like, I feel Thai. I go to Indonesia now, people say, hey, you're Indonesian. (laughs) You know, it was funny. One time I was in Indonesia and 
I was I was scolded for denying my Indonesian heritage. You're like, don't pretend you're not Indonesian. How dare you? <laughs> I'm like, I'm really not Indonesian, but hey, you know. And so uh, it's a beautiful thing because I think the different cultures, Japan, Ghana, UK, America, I live partly in Mexico, uh, has given me the blessing of relating to diverse group of people. Yeah, and I think too, when people are, you know, brought up, in a very narrow way. And a lot of times we are, and we all have these pockets of things that, you know, we believe and we've been taught and, you know, that are, that are a little sometimes harder to shift, but I see it even within the country that I live in right now, just even within the United States Mm -hmm. that you'll see two people or two groups of people that feel that they're so radically different. And then when you listen to what they say, when you listen to what they say about themselves, when you listen to what they say about each other, you see that we all have, we all have the same perspective, the same needs. And sometimes that othering is, it's just a misunderstanding. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Maybe the perspectives are different, but often what is driving the perspective is, is the same. Yeah, like, we, exactly. like, like even in America, like, okay, someone vote for Biden, someone voted for Trump. But everyone still wants uh, a, a happier America. Everybody exactly. still wants to feel safe and and successful. And and so, you know, it's interesting. As human beings, we have been conditioned to believe we are separate. We've been conditioned to believe that we are this mind-body mechanism. The challenge is we've been conditioned to believe we are the ego. The ego is that which we mistakenly perceive ourselves to be that is based on our conditioning from childhood and pain and traumas and experiences that we hold on to and we identify as me. And that over-identification with ego gives us this illusion that we are separate when in fact we are really not this ego structure. Ego is really a sense of is a process of identification based on our beliefs, but beliefs change, emotions change, feelings change. So are we really this thing that we believe ourselves to be? But the degree to which we're attached, the degree to which we've had this illusion of of separation, you know, that I think we have to we have to move beyond. And so I think as egos, the ego's job is to protect us from getting hurt, like we were hurt when we were young. But the ego's job is also to reinforce its existence, to keep us safe in that way. And so one of the ways we do that is we hold on to what we believe. We hold on to what we know. We hold on to who we know ourselves to be because it's comfortable, it's safe. And so to question ourselves, who am I? To question ourselves, hmm, what do you believe? Well, what do you believe? Doesn't match what I believe. Can feel scary for the ego because that can feel threatening to my sense of self. So what we tend to do is we tend to then associate or want to cling to and associate only with people that look like us, that think like us, that feel like us, that worship like us, that believe what we believe. And so now we end up surrounding ourselves with a very small group of people that end up reinforcing our current ego's identity, or we seek out spiritual teachers that believe what we believe because now our identity gets reinforced. But a true teacher, a true spiritual teacher is actually going to challenge your current belief structure, is going to challenge the way you perceive life, is going to challenge your current identity. To me, that's growth. And, and so I think as a culture, what we have to start learning to do if we're going to grow is not just cling to and associate with the comfort zone of folks that believe what we believe, but actually, I would say, get curious with people that 
believe different things. Find and seek people that don't believe what you believe. And rather than saying, rather than trying to be right and impose your belief onto that person, get curious. Like, huh, for me, I've always been one, and maybe this is part of my background, to, to, to like to find people that seem opposite from me or believe different things and actually ask them. So how did you get to that belief? To me, that's a key thing. Like, how did you yeah. actually believe that? How, what led to that? And when I, and when I, when I've learned to listen to people and I try to listen and understand is then, then I can have empathy and empathize because when I understand how they got to be, believe that, and based on the entire life experience, that gives me empathy because if I went through what they went through, I would probably believe what they believe. Yeah. And, and, and so I think that that's the path to peace. And that's the, to me, peace is not the absence of conflict. It can include conflict if we're willing to have the empathy and, but it requires understanding. And I think if we're willing to have understanding, like if I can understand you, you can understand me. We don't have to agree. Like love isn't agreement. We can disagree, but we can have the understanding of seemingly differing perspectives Knowing that perspectives aren't who we are, they're just beliefs we're holding in this moment. Are you looking for a new and empowering lens through which to view your life and your health? Then register now for Get Healthy with Sound, a weekend workshop with Eileen McCusick, an innovator in the fields of therapeutic sound, electric health, and the human biofield. May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn easy and accessible techniques to reduce stress, improve focus, and increase energy. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. You said a lot of really good things that I want to reflect back on. One is, yeah, you know, we often identify our beliefs and our belief systems with who we are. Mm-hmm. That's a fundamental flaw of the ego, right? And it's not who you are. And it's okay. I I love having an ego. You know, I'm not one of these spiritual teachers or spiritual seekers that thinks you got to kill the small self. I'm really glad to have one because it gives me my personality. It gives me my focal point here. But I think what we need to learn to do is not identify with it so hard. Yeah. And we learn to take that step back and say, hello, sweet human conditioned self. I love you so much. I'm glad to have you. I'm glad to have this mind that mm-hmm. gives me this stable sense of reality and this stable sense of who I think I am. And I don't believe it too hard. And so, you know, I think that that's really important. And I think, you know, you are making that point as well. I also want to go back to something else you said, Coot, because I think it's really interesting and important. And it it gave me some question marks as it always happens when I was doing my little pre-meditation and my walk on the beach today, this was what was coming through from my guides to talk about. So I love when these things align, you know, part of growth and part of spiritual growth is definitely those shifting perspectives. So we often have an idea the world has to be this way. This has to be this way. That has to be this way. This is what I need to be happy. This is what I need to be comfortable. This is who I am. And of course, everything's always changing and none of that represents who and what you really are. And I do think to some extent, and and we've done episodes on this before, that, you know, growth, means sometimes being willing to get out of your comfort zone. And you are clearly someone who's demonstrated that ability to get out of your comfort zone. I mean, you gave up, you know, family life, a whole path and flew halfway across the world to start a new life. So I know that you get this. 
But something else that you said that just gave me pause and made me think, so I want to get it back mm-hmm. to you, is you talked about the role of the spiritual teacher. And, you know, you are a spiritual teacher. You are the offspring of obviously a very powerful spiritual teacher. I always feel that the role of the spiritual teacher is to awaken the knowing in you. Meaning a good teacher is going to help me rediscover what my soul already knows because there's there's nothing out there that, you know, there's no wisdom that you have that I don't have on some level. At least that's what I believe. And that's what, you know, I always tell people. But I'm wondering if if you sometimes have that dynamic, right, where you're getting a new spiritual teacher or you're, and I don't even know, let me pause. Do you agree with that so far? Are you with me? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So here's the question, because I was thinking, you know, so you have a new spiritual teacher, spiritual teachings, right? And maybe it it doesn't seem to vibe with you. How do you know, you know, because I always tell people when you are reading a spiritual book, when you are you know, getting an intuitive reading from someone like me when you're when you're uh-huh. doing anything, always tune in and see if it resonates. Mm-hmm. So my question is, how do we know if it's our ego being in resistance? Like, oh my God, this is scary. This is a new way and I'm not ready to have it versus, oh no, man, this doesn't resonate with me. You know, I think there's different ways. I don't know if there's just one way, but I would say if you have a real charge like, uh, you know, like a, this just charge, reaction. I think you would want to get curious about that. If it's just, no, it doesn't resonate, but but maybe there's there's no like charge right. behind it. <laughs> People can see the face you just made. It really doesn't. <laughs> I'm very expressive. It just may not resonate. It's like, no, this doesn't resonate. But when I, I always get curious when, when there's a charge, like yeah. you... you you have a reaction like yeah, no that's really uh, well put. Uh, you many times there's there's that's when there's something that is hiding inside or you're hiding or you're not wanting to see something so there's a defense mechanism that is sort of coming up and so i think you want to see if there's a charge no i think that's a really good point and but you know what's interesting i think everyone is your spiritual teacher and everyone can be your spiritual teacher <laughs> amen my friends that don't like donald trump i'm like He's your spiritual teacher. And until I would say, until you can, and there's not a political conversation, but I tell them until you can look at him with the eyes of pure compassion and love for his perfect soul, um, shall we say, for his perfect soul mission that he is unfolding on behalf of humanity to serve your soul, you know, you're not free. And, right. and, and many times we look at people, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a person, and we point and we have a reaction and we're like, no, that's not right for me. But the truth is maybe we're seeing something in them that we're not at peace right. with within ourselves. We're seeing something in them that we have the capability of that we're, we're projecting in some way. Yeah. And, and so I think we should see if there's a charge and everyone is your spiritual teacher. I told my friend, take down your picture of Sri 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 Swami La 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 and put up Donald Trump and worship him, worship his soul, because until you can see the essence of his soul, you know, same goes with Biden. Same goes with basically, right? Anyone. No, it's huge. It's huge. Anyone. And and so to, your child can be your spiritual teacher. Your wife can be your spiritual life teacher. Life is your spiritual teacher. You know, life <laughs> becomes your spiritual teacher, right? Your husband can be your spiritual teacher. Yeah, for sure. In so many ways. And that doesn't mean you have to agree. Like you were saying before, you don't have to agree with everything. You don't have to like everything. But when you can appreciate the divine essence in every single experience, yeah. every yeah. single person, every yeah. single action, you don't you don't have to act in a way that doesn't feel resonant for you. Yes. But like you said before, if you are having that reaction, 
to something, that strong negative reaction to it, then you are not aligned. You're not aligned with yourself and you're not aligned with the divine, which is the same thing. Many times I think when you are evolving and growing, it won't always feel comfortable, right? You talked about the spiritual teacher. And so I think many times we seek out a spiritual teacher sometimes that makes us feel comfortable because, oh, I like what they said. I agree with them. Oh, I feel I feel good. Okay, I like them. But many times a real spiritual teacher will make you feel uncomfortable. They will, you know, challenge you to question yourself. Who are you? Because we get comfortable based on who we believe ourselves to be, and we sit in that identity. But a true spiritual teacher will will cause you to look at yourself and life and question your identity. And the process of questioning your identity is an uncomfortable process because when we're attached and identified with ourselves as this persona, this person, questioning it is not a comfortable process. Questioning it is a feeling of death. And so what the ego tends to do is we tend to fight and we tend to resist and it doesn't always feel good. And many times in an effort for survival, the ego creates all sorts of rationalizations why sometimes why this teacher is not this and that is not that and this is not a line. And so I think we have to just just take a step back and breathe and just sit with ourselves when we feel uncomfortable because sometimes that uncomfortability isn't bad. It's evolution, it's growth. And parts of us to evolve have to die. We can't evolve to the next level, manifest the next level, being the old version of ourselves, you know? And so I think a really great teacher with compassion, you know, I think the difference too is underneath it all, you can feel the intention of a spiritual teacher. That's a good point. You can feel like, ah, this person has pure intent and their agenda is to serve my soul. And and when you feel that, I think even if it's uncomfortable, like I feel uncomfortable, I don't even like them right now. And, and, you know, you you can still feel they're here to serve my soul, and that can help you move through as well. And so I would say, feel for that quality of do I trust their integrity? Right. Because if that's there, even if you're uncomfortable, that can help you move through and not fool yourself. You said a lot in there. We did an episode not so long ago around expanding your comfort zone. And what the guides explained to me in that episode, and that was one that was brewing within me for probably over a year before I hit the microphone, was that change, growth can be uncomfortable. It can be uncomfortable. It doesn't have to be uncomfortable. And we don't have to seek out discomfort for the sake of our growth. Like it does not have to be hard, but oftentimes where the ego is stretching and growing and where we are still identified with ego, meaning the more, the places where you're more identified with that false sense of self, those are the parts that are going to be the most uncomfortable when you shift and when you grow. And that's the way it was explained to me. You know, the only thing that I want to caution listeners about, and you may not agree with me on this, but I feel pretty strongly is that, you know, you are your own authority. You are your own authority. And, you know, if ego takes over and says, I'm being my own authority right now, Victorian, I don't like what you're saying and I'm not going to listen to you. That's fine because you'll get the message again. (laughs) You'll get the message again. Mm -hmm. Your spirit, your soul will not give up on you. It will keep nudging you until eventually you open the window and you say, okay, I'm ready to see this now. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, I really don't believe that we have to tear people down to build them up. And I think that there is some of that teaching in the spiritual community and it can get kind of aggressive. 
So again, like trust, you know, even if you want to hang out in your comfort zone for this body and the next 10 bodies, you're still going to be growing. You're still going to be changing. You're still going to be allowing. And I think it's mostly when we're uncomfortably comfortable that we're ready for growth. Do you know what I mean? Like in those places where you get to the place where the supposed comfort of living in ego, you know, you're so miserable that, you know, being quote unquote comfortable that you say, all right, I'm willing to take that risk. I'm willing to let go. I'm willing to bringing back us to our original topic. I'm willing to surrender to that, which is greater than myself now so that I can have that new perspective. So I can find that new way. I think that's when really true growth occurs. And, you know, it doesn't have to be hard, but it does often, you know, involve a huge leap of faith. Cool. Absolutely. So I can't believe that we've already been talking for 25 minutes. <laughs> it goes so fast. I want to bring us back to this topic. I, you wrote a whole book on surrender, right? Like best-selling book. Yeah. A best-selling book. Yeah, that too. Right. So it's one of those topics that I think is is so misunderstood, but I think it is at the heart of all spiritual growth and change. And, you know, for me, my jam is listening to your intuition, which you cannot do if you don't let go. I often say the deepest knowing comes when we allow ourselves not to know anything mm -hmm. or not to know everything is when you can start to really hear your wisdom. So I'd love to hear it from you who wrote the best-selling book. Like, what's your take on surrender? Why is it important? And how can people, you know, flow with that more in their lives? I feel surrender is, is the most important thing that we can do as human beings in many ways on the spiritual path. It's the essence of the spiritual path, you know? Uh, all great enlightened beings, yogis, masters, gurus, Jesus. I mean, you know, folks that are much more enlightened than me have talked about surrender in many ways. Um, the challenge is, I think, that there's so many misconceptions about surrender. And so people are like, how do I surrender? I have to go to a monastery. I have to wear robes. I have to be homeless. I have to give up all my stuff. I have to give all, all my money away. I have to be celibate. It's like, who the hell wants to surrender? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend any of those things unless you feel called. Yeah, unless you feel deep, undeniable calling, and then you'll know. And, yeah. and, and so I think there's many misconceptions. The idea that surrender is weak, surrender is passive, surrender is giving up, surrender is waving a white flag, surrender is sitting there and doing nothing. It means being left behind, being a doormat. You won't manifest your dreams and desires, giving up on your dreams, getting less than you thought. And so I say, no, if you really understand the real essence of surrender, what if you didn't get less, but you got more? Maybe not what you expected or thought with, with, with the sort of conscious mind, ego's intention. But what if it was better? What if it was more than you could have imagined for yourself? And to me, that's what surrender opens up. So I feel as though surrender is the real secret to manifestation, yeah. that surrender is the real key to the next level. Surrender is the real password to freedom. And if you look at all of the truly great ones, folks that I admire, I've mentioned a few of them, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Mandela, Martin Luther King, Muhammad Ali, Bruce Lee. At some point, all of these amazing, powerful figures, right? Normal people in many ways, but did extraordinary things. At some point, they all reached a moment of their life where they had to surrender themselves. The life that they thought they were going to live. Gandhi was a lawyer and had his life carved out and had to let go of that idea. What if he didn't? We wouldn't know him today. I'm sure 
Mandela didn't plan, and everyone's life is different, but Mandela, I'm sure he didn't write in his journal, yeah, I'm going to spend 27 years in prison. He couldn't have planned that. And so at some point, they all got to the point where they surrendered, where they let go, where they, in that surrender, they transcended their own human limitations and tapped into another dimension of potential, another dimension of life, another dimension of grace. And that's when life began to use them and flow through them and manifest through them in ways that I don't think they could have projected and planned with their linear mind. And so surrender is a a letting go of control, or I should say the illusion that we're in control or the things that we're definitely not in control of. It's when we stop trying to force and manipulate life to fit our limited idea of how we think it should be and who we think we should be and how we think a relationship should be so that we can, it's an availability, uh, it's an openness, it's a receptivity, it's a willingness to take the limitations off of life so that we can allow the intelligence of life that has been around for eternity, you know, this, this intelligent nature of life to allow life to to lead us, to allow life to guide us, to allow life to show us. And so it is a openness, availability, it's a curiosity. Uh, and and I think that's when the magic happens. Beautifulness. And I think going back to what we were saying before too, it's when you you start to make that agreement to stop trying to do everything through the small self, through the ego, which wants to control in a way that is limiting you. I mean, you might get some of what you want, but you probably won't get happy for very long. Yes. And agree to co-create with the wise part of yourself that is, you know, connected to all that is. I love that. All right. I ask everybody on the show, how do you experience your intuition? I experience it in a different way. Sometimes it's a voice. Sometimes it's a feeling. Sometimes it's energy, an energetic sensation in my body. The myth I think people have is that it's like a loud siren bell, that there has to be complete clarity and you have to have total <laughs> knowing. And I tell you, sometimes you don't have to know where you're going to, to end up exactly where you need to be. But to me, the intuition is often a very subtle feeling that sometimes I don't even realize is my intuition. It's just like, turn left. And it was a very gentle, like, just like, what if you, what if you called that person? And then that leads to the next thing. And then sometimes it's after the fact, I realized, oh, that nudging was my intuition, but it was so subtle in a moment, I didn't even realize. And so yeah. I just had to learn to just pay attention to those subtle cues. So is that feeling in my body, like mm, something feels a little off. One of the things I had to learn in relation to my intuition, and I think one of the things that stops us from truly tapping into it is we're constantly questioning it because the intuition often doesn't make sense to the mind. So the the ego kicks in. It's like, I need to understand what this means because the ego wants to understand and understanding is another method of control. If I can understand it, then I can control life and maybe not go into the unknown because intuition is kind of the unknown and because it's arising from a deeper dimension than the known. And so for me, I started learning to not question. So if I feel that nudging, turn left, it's just... Just do it. Just do it. Turn right, go here, boom. You know, that's how I met my wife. Something said, go to Brazil. What the hell? What? (laughs) And I met my wife five days later in Brazil. It's beautifulness. And so I've had experience after experience, just not questioning, just trusting. Turn left, turn left, turn right, turn right. Okay. I don't need to know what something means in a moment for it to be my intuition and for 
me to follow it. And that's where you could say the intuitive flow began to strengthen for me. Beautifulness. All right. Oh my gosh, this was so much fun. I'm so glad we had this conversation. And I think listeners are going to be so excited and there's there's so much goodness in it. Tell us a little bit more about your books, your offerings. If people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Yeah, a couple of ways. I would say get the book, The Magic of Surrender, the paperback version on Amazon. Check it out there. So many gems there. Uh, Instagram, Coot Blackson, say hello, follow me. Uh, Give me a high five there. Facebook, Coot Love Now. My podcast is Soul Talk. You can tune in there. To find out more about my events, depending on when you're listening to this, we probably have some weekend seminars coming on uh, in terms of a breakthrough event. So you can go to www.kutekutblackson.com. Go to the schedule link. Find out about my events. I'd love to see you there in person. Ah, Beautiful. We'll be checking those out for sure. Coot, are there any parting words before we wrap up that you want to share with listeners? Surrender is the password to freedom. Love it. And if you want more magic in your life, surrender is the key. Yes, learning to let go. I love that so much. Coot, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so glad you reached out. I'm so glad we had this opportunity to connect. And thank you listeners for tuning in as well, because you know, I know I say it every single time, but it's never less true. Thanks to you, it's that I get to have these conversations and do what I love to do. And for that, I will always be so very honored and grateful. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your day and namaste. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you found joy, strength, inspiration, and clarity from today's episode. If you'd like to learn more and connect with an amazing group of like-minded souls, please join us over on Facebook in the Intuitive Connection Community Facebook group, where we explore these topics in deeper detail, have additional live teachings, and host Facebook Lives with our amazing guests. I hope to see you there. And of course, if you want to learn more about me or the work that I do, please check out my webpage, victoriashawintuitive.com. Thank you so much again and namaste. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.